When my guest today was finishing the writing of her book, Cutting Through Despair, Dare to Hope, something very unexpected happened. Her husband became ill and died. In today's episode, Kathy Brasby shares the story of her grief journey thus far and what a godly hope has meant. No longer mere words on a page meant to encourage others, this hope she wrote of became essential in her life. It's important for you to hear from others who have or are currently walking out this difficult season of life. Kathy's story is not hindsight. It wasn't from years ago because all this occurred this year. I truly believe you are going to be blessed by Kathy as she dares to hope through grief. Hey friend, welcome to the Grief to Great Day podcast. Do you feel like you're going crazy? Is the shower the only place for you to really cry? Are you surrounded by people, but you still feel all alone? Do you want to be the you you were before your loved one died, but you have no idea how to get there? I'm Steph Cabanis, Southern by choice, wife, turtle triathlete, Jesus follower, and fellow traveler in the journey of grief. I too struggled to breathe, questioned God and my faith, and thought I would never be happy again. But God took my brokenness and he turned it into a breakthrough. So if you're ready to understand how to navigate grief, lean into your faith and take just one step towards healing, then bring your ugly cry, get into a comfortable place, even if that's your bed right now, and let the healing begin. Girl, there's hope for your future. Come on in the house and join me on that couch. I'm Steph, and this is Grief to Great Day. Thank you for being here. I want you to feel welcomed and heard through this podcast. Hello to everyone listening in Denmark, our spotlight country this week. And California is again the state with the most downloads. I hope this is a reminder that whatever state or country you are in, you are not alone as you walk through this thing called grief. So we have hit over 10,000 downloads in a little over 10 months. First, a huge thank you for listening and for sharing. As time goes on, I receive emails from different agencies who represent people who want to be on the podcast. I've not seen anyone who I felt would be a good fit and helpful to you. However, a couple months ago, I received an email from Kathy herself. She shared kind words about Grief to Great Day and threw out the idea of coming on the podcast sometime. Well, of course, I checked her website <laughs> and the videos she has on YouTube, and I wanted to read an excerpt from her book. But it took very little time in listening to her to know how much I wanted her to be a guest and to share with you. She has an incredibly calming depth of faith, and meeting her through Zoom was such a blessing to me. Let me tell you a little bit about Kathy, and then I'll let her share her story with you. Kathy Brasby claims that her great strength and her great weakness is her curiosity. That curiosity has made her a lifelong learner and student. Her book, Cutting Through Despair, Dare to Hope, includes narratives based on many of those interviews, stretching from Old Testament to modern day people. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and more. She's an award-winning author with many articles and blog posts to her credit. Her research on the topic of hope took well over a year 
It included interviews with individuals who had suffered hard things in their lives and yet were able to continue walking in hope. Kathy earned her bachelor's degree from the University of North Colorado in English, and later in life, she earned her master's degree in theological studies from Golden Gate Seminary. Between those two points in her life, she was a high school English teacher, editor for the Haxton Herald, parts manager for an agricultural equipment dealer, computer salesman, and later on, a full-time mom. She is a committed follower of Jesus, serving in leadership positions in her church, as well as teaching regular Bible studies. She also speaks at events, including a recent women's conference, where she discussed the topic of how to have hope you can count on. In 1990, she married Matt. Matt was a widower and brought four children to the marriage. So he and Kathy had an instant family. Together, they added two more children and then have seen the family grow further with 10 grandchildren. Her website is kathybrasby.net, and you can get a free bonus chapter from her book by visiting the website. Before we start, I want to apologize for my my end of the audio quality. Um, Kathy sounds really great, and I didn't have my microphone on correctly, so I'm going to sound a little tinny, but I hope you'll forgive that and just really focus on what she's saying because that's the important part. And here she is beginning to share a story. Friend gave me a piano recently. You know, friends do that, right? They give us like kombucha starter and pampered chef parties and apparently pianos. (laughs) Well, the last piano somebody gave me, I was six or seven years old. My parents came home with one of those great big pianos that, you know, it's tall and wide and weighs more than a VW. And so I started taking piano lessons and I took I don't know, 10 to 12 years of piano lessons. Now, let me assure you, I don't have great talent in that area, but I enjoyed tinkering around. Went to college, left it behind. Left piano, obviously, and just, you know, didn't didn't do that, anything with it. So when my friend offered me this piano, I thought, oh, that might be kind of cool. So I got it in there, and it's one of those little spinets, so it's not huge like the other one was. So And then I sat down and I thought, what am I going to remember? What in the world am I going to remember? I didn't, I didn't know. I knew I could read music, but beyond that, I sat down. Now, I was very, very, very rusty, but uh, my fingers started doing things that my brain had forgotten how to do. That's muscle memory. Yes. That's, that's something we learn in the past that helps us move forward now and into the future. And I think that we're talking about hope, and I, I think that we need to have muscle memory with hope. Now, I want to give you two basic definitions of hope, because we use that word all the time, and there's two different meanings, but they sound the same in context, so it makes it hard for us to know which one we're using. Um, I mean, the one we use the most is hope is like a wish or a dream. You know, I hope you have a great trip. You know, I I hope it rains this afternoon. That idea, we have no confidence that that will happen. It's just a wish, a desire that we have, but we can't make it happen. There's a second kind of hope that's in the Bible. And that hope is a confidence. It's an absolute. It will happen. And the only way that can exist is because God does it. We can't provide hope 
we can't make the world around us do what we want, but God can and does. And what assurance there is, we know that God's doing it. And when we have that hope in him and what he says and what he's doing. So muscle memory, and I think we can have a spiritual muscle memory as well, helps us as we look at things in the past to remember what God did. And then we know he can do that again and will do that again. We have that confidence, that assurance. And uh, it's a little easier if we've learned some things from the past and we can learn things from other people too. It doesn't have to be just our own experiences. Those can be tough sometimes if we have to go through everything on our own, but we can learn through other people. For example, I want to talk about in the Old Testament, Hannah. Her story is in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 2. She lived roughly 3,500 years ago in a totally different culture. She was a Jewish woman, and she lived in a time uh, where uh, childlessness was shame really shameful. And there were two reasons for that. First of all, because they believed that children were a blessing of God. So if you had no children, obviously you had offended God and he was withholding a blessing. So she carried that shame with her. Any childless women, barren women in those days carried that shame with them. And, um, and then the second one was children provided for you as you aged. They could take care of you as you got older, especially for women way back in that culture. They needed children to care for them. They didn't have a system set up like we have today. So she was carrying a double burden. Um, her husband was a godly man and loved her. And uh, so every year he took his family because he had a second wife uh, because he needed children. And the second wife provided children. <laughs> That provided new conflicts within the family. But anyway, every year they went uh, to Shiloh to the Festival of Booths. And that was a time for the Jewish people to gather to thank God for the harvest and also to remember what God had done in the past. He had brought his people out of Egypt. They were in oppression and slavery in Egypt, and they cried out to him, and he heard their cries. Bible is very clear. He heard their cries, brought them out. So they're now in this new land. So those two things were happening, thanking God for the harvest and uh, remembering what God had done in the past. So I think that enabled Hannah to actually go into the tabernacle and cry out to God, trusting he would hear her. Would he give her a child? She didn't know, but he knew she would hear him. And I think that muscle memory from learning from other people enabled her to cry out to God. And the end of the story is God not only gave her a son, Samuel, greatest prophet of those days, and then three sons and two daughters after that. It's just an incredible story of her using muscle memory to ask God and trust he would at least hear her. And boy, did he hear her. So hope means trusting God will be in our future. And that's what she trusted. And she learned that from looking into her past and others' pasts, transferred that into her future. I mean, Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12, incredibly familiar verses. And God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, 
They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. And it, we just, and it, oh, he finishes. In those days when you pray, I will listen. And Hannah knew that and she acted on that because of what she had learned in the past. So now I want to tell you my story. Uh, 28 years ago, uh, my husband and I were spent almost three years trying to get pregnant. And then I did get pregnant. Six, seven weeks into the pregnancy, I miscarried. Dropped me just into the depths of discouragement. I came home from the hospital empty physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I just was numb. I had never experienced that big a loss in my life before. And I spent several months just numb, just going through the days, but feeling nothing. Several months went by and we went on a camping trip. And I tell you what, vacations, retreats, camping trips, anything like that, that breaks us out of our normal routine often helps us to look at things in a new way. And that's what happened. We were camping up in the mountains of Colorado and I was sitting by the fire and I just realized I missed God. I had been numb to him too. And I just missed God. And I actually got my Bible out. Now, I took my Bible to church, so nobody knew I was struggling. I always, but I wasn't really in touch with God. Like we weren't cool in those days. But I opened my Bible and I started reading in some of the Psalms. And what a great place to read just when you're emotionally searching. They're real. Those are real and emotional, and they describe emotions so well. So I started reading in the Psalms, and then I just had this image. It was like God sitting right beside me, and it was like he said to me, I've been here the whole time just waiting for you. And it wasn't, there was no condemnation. There was no, uh, yeah, there was just no condemnation. He says, I was just waiting for you to come back. And when you're ready, I'm going to give you a big hug. And we began that healing process. And yeah, I mean, to the place where just the love was incredible. And I knew in those days, I never wanted to be that distant from God ever again. That was, I just never wanted to go through that again. So since that time, I mean, I've lost both of my parents. I lost um, a seven-year-old grandson. And those were hard times. But God was right there, and I knew he was right there beside me, and I had such an awareness of him whispering, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, and that gave me such comfort and such strength. So earlier this year, beginning of this year, my husband informed me that he was having some pain in his abdomen, and he, it was bad enough he wanted to go to the ER. So we went to the ER. This would have been the end of January of this year. And they couldn't figure out what it was. Um, they finally said, ah, they took a bunch of tests, scans, different. And finally said, I think you passed a kidney stone. We don't see anything. But, and we came home next morning, the pain was gone. We thought they must be right. So, um, but his doctor calls about two weeks later and said, yeah, there's something else on this scan. I think we need to do some more scans. So we go back in, find out he has kidney cancer. The treatment for kidney cancer is to remove the kidney. And so they jumped right on it. March 1st, he had his kidney removed. And we both said, okay, they, you know, this is the treatment. You can live with one kidney. We can do this. So we went in, 
he recovered very well from, I mean, he was recovering very well from that surgery. And about two weeks later, the pain started again. What's up with this? Doctors couldn't figure it out. They thought he had an infection. So he was on all kinds of antibiotics and as much painkillers as they could give him, they had to protect the one kidney. Um, and it just kept getting worse. The pain was just, wasn't constant, but it was worse. Um, by the early April, his belly was swelling. And so finally, the doctor said, I think we need to drain off that fluid and find out what's going on here. So April 13th, they put him in the hospital. They drained off the fluid and began to try to, and they didn't, still didn't know what was going on. All kinds of tests. That poor guy went through tests and excruciating pain. And from April 13th, when he went in, we lost him on April 23rd. I remember going in that morning. I've been in there every day going in that morning and the nurses were clustered around him. And I said, what's, what's, and they said, he had a really bad night. And they, I said, do I need to call the kids? Yeah. And one lives in Florida. And I said, she's planning to come next weekend. She won't have time. And um, so the kids except her were all able to get there, say goodbye. And he had a lot of people. He was basically comatose that day. He wasn't able to interact with anyone, uh, but a lot of people were able to come and say goodbye. And uh, so um, my, one of my daughters was, uh, I mean, people were praying for him and, you know, reading Bible verses. And she said, could I read out a revelation? Sure, go for it. So she read Revelation four and five, which describes the throne room of God. And as she was reading that, that's when he passed. He went into God's throne room right there. Oh, my goodness. Um, mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, it still gives me chills. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so how do you go forward from that? You know, so there, I was just I was inundated with details. So many things I had to take care of everything from bank accounts. And he had several small businesses just inundated. But he had read most of my book. He'd been able to read those chapters and interact with me, which was really cool because he's not, he wasn't a big reader or certainly not a writer, but he was so supportive. And I knew I had to finish the book in part for him. He would want me to finish that book. I, I know people say that a lot. Oh, they would want me to do whatever it is I wanted to do anyway. But I thought he would really want me to finish this book. The last chapter of the book is about that story, about our story. I just felt like... I needed to include that in the book. So, um, but you started the book well before anything occurred yes. with your husband. Yes. I praise God. I had the book, all the chapters were written except this last chapter. Mm -hmm. All the other chapters were written before. And I was in starting the editing stage when he got sick. So I, you know, I was able, I actually did a little editing at the hospital, but uh, yeah, just, he was sleeping a lot. Oh my goodness. Felt so bad for him. Um, what made you write the book initially? I was because it's on hope. <laughs> it's on hope. I know yeah. I, God had amazing plans. Oh, a little over a year ago, I was asked to speak at this conference this last September. The, the conference was on hope. Well, I just, I do what I do. I researched, <laughs> I do 
you know, I, and I really spent two or three months just researching verses on hope and what it means and all these kinds of things. I said, I have way too much for a 20 to 30 minute speech. And I thought, this is too much stuff to just leave behind. So I said, I'm just going to put it in a book. If somebody wants to buy it at the conference, then they can get my extra research. That was my initial idea. And it morphed into stories. That was what was so interesting is that I began to look at different Bible characters and modern day people. And I interviewed, I sort of, I interviewed as best you can those Bible characters. I mean, I, I, I know how to do research and, you know, try and understand that historical context. So I could try to, so it's a narrative nonfiction, uh, you know, where expanded some, but, and then I had a chance to interview several modern day people who are going through hardships and how did you do this and listen to their stories as well. So it turned into a book about stories and I think stories connect. Yes. Yes, they do, because you see in them what you're going through. And then as they, they're a little bit further ahead and you're like, well, they can do it. Then maybe I can do it. I can learn from them. Yeah. yeah, I read, I read the whole book. I loved it. Loved it. Thank you. Yeah. And even like with Leslie and Zoe and y'all, you need to get this book, but I'm going to talk about different people in the book, Leslie and Zoe, how Zoe helped Leslie, but then she needed help later. Because we can see a little bit more for somebody else than we do for ourselves. They said, it's hard to have hope in the future when the present looks impossible. And I thought I'd totally relate to that because that was true for me. And it's true for a lot of people because, and grief will make that worse because you can't see anything but the pain that you're in. But you talk about the hope being not a wish, or a dream, but a confidence. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, just that God is there and he will walk us through that. You know, yeah. uh, those that trust in the Lord will find new strength. Yeah. Now, He's when you look back, like over the last year or so, I mean, was there a time when you were like, <laughs> I wrote a book on hope and now, I mean, you lost your husband. So yeah. it takes on a whole different meaning. It's it's no longer theory, and I can really help somebody with this, but it's like, is this real enough for me? I think in writing the book, I developed more muscle memory. I think okay. God, in a way, was preparing me because I yes. think I, as the author, learned from these people that I was studying, and I'm getting into their stories as I was writing their story and trying to imagine their emotions trying to describe those emotions. And I really believe that that gave me muscle memory to remember that God was with me too, just like he'd been with them. I think it was, oh, God's blessing to me. And I've been aware of that. He's never left me in this time, never left me. And it's just what I love. And it's usually a looking back thing. I don't always feel it in the moment, but I, I mean, I know it. But when I look back, I'm like, this is so beautiful because what God gives us is very specific to us. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. And yet, and yet we can learn pieces from other people and then he will like remold it for us because we're all unique and special to him. Yes. Yes. So how does, how does life look for you right now? You know, I had... 
an amazing week last week that I can share with you because I went through, I was preparing for this book launch and there was a couple of glitches like there usually are, but I had a big party just at my house, invited people to come, neighbors, people from church, family, and oh my goodness, they're, uh, um, they brought flowers, which I never expected. Nice. And I, the next morning, I mean, sold lots of books, all this stuff. They were so enthusiastic. And then the next morning, I looked around my house. I had six different bouquets of flowers sitting around my house, beautiful bouquets, which I didn't expect at all. And it was like God whispered to me because Matt liked to bring me flowers. He'd go into Walmart or someplace and he'd just grab flowers. He'd like to do that. We'd often have fresh flowers sitting in the kitchen, not fancy, fancy bouquets, but just he often did that. And God said, Matt brought you flowers. I brought you six bouquets. Don't think that I have forgotten. <laughs> and I have our two, well, our youngest children live right around us, the, the youngest three. And uh, anyway, and so they have brought new friends into my life that are their age, in their awesome. 20s. And so... <laughs> which I love. I absolutely love that. And uh, we had decided to have an outing Saturday night. We went to Fort Collins about an hour and a half away to the melting pot. I don't know if you have that back East. In okay. Raleigh, yes. <laughs> I said, I just want to go to the melting pot. Well, I didn't even think about it being two days after my birthday, but they did. Oh, oh my goodness. They took me to a special cheese shop and bought me cheeses and then we went and they had arranged, there was a big balloons and chocolates on the table and, you know, they just made a big deal. And we just had a delightful time. They're just young people that I just love dearly. And I could just feel them pouring love into me, too. And I just so it was just a wonderful week of a reminder that God hasn't forgotten me. Right. You know, and right. I am still and he has sent so many people to love me. And I think if we get too deep in the hole of grief, and I have been guilty of this, you, you don't do. notice people who are trying to love you. Right. You can't you feel just, it. You just can't feel it. Right. You're just caught up in your own emotions and woe is me. And yes. yet I am so aware God has sent so many people to love me and pray for me and, oh, and, and innumerable ways to take care of me. I That's am awesome. just so blessed. So, Yeah. Oh, I miss him, but um, was that bittersweet in the moment? Like when it was so wonderful and you were partaking at the melting pot, which uh -huh. I had a lot of food. Oh my goodness, I didn't eat all day. <laughs> was it like bittersweet or was it just sweet? It was actually just sweet. I would I have thought a, a couple of times we're walking around downtown and I because you know it was a Saturday night. You see a lot mm -hmm. of date couples and a lot of people walk right. around holding hands. Right. We would have done that if he'd been there. And I thought, oh, I kind of miss that. Yeah. But I just said, you know what? I'm not gonna be able to do that anymore with him. And I'm just gonna enjoy what I have and enjoy these young people that are with me and just the way they're loving me. It's different, yes. but they right. love me too. And yeah, I think sometimes we get so focused. And I'm not minimizing it because I know, I know how hard it is, but we get so stuck on, I don't have this. I'll never have this, that right. we can't look around us and see what God is still giving us, that his plan for us is not over. It doesn't look like what we wanted it to look like, but it's not done. There's still purpose. Absolutely. In fact, I love your ministry because of that, Thank you. that 
saying that, you know, we still have purpose. Yes. I think you said a few weeks ago on your podcast that our loved one, their purpose is complete. Their journey is complete. God's finished, closed it off for them. Mm -hmm. And, but ours isn't. And so we move forward and see what's God got for us yet. And that's where I think hope comes in that confidence that he has something. I don't know what, but he has something. We're still here. We're still still breathing. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that that muscle memory you're talking about and having confidence in God, it's kind of what I was calling a faith resume, because we forget all the goodness in the hard yes. times. Yeah. And if we didn't, if we can focus on what he has done and we know that he's with us, then why would he stop being with us right now? Great. And, you know, Thanks. grief will mess with your head. And I, I know that, too, but that's that's when you have to, like, press in. You have to lean into what he has. And I'm I'm excited about what you have in your future. When I first talked with you, I told Jeff, my husband, I was like, this woman has a steady faith. It's beautiful. I had a mustard seed. Ah, <laughs> what I enough. saw, and that's <laughs> enough. That's what God said. And that's what I'm going with. But yeah. you had a mustard field. And it's that is comforting to anybody to have that assurance, even when you're going through what you're going through. So I really am excited for your future. And I hope we can do these again as you launch your next book. But for this book, tell us the title of your book and how we find it. It is called Cutting Through Despair, Dare to Hope. And it is on Amazon, Kindle Books, Softcover. It should be on uh, Barnes & Noble and it might be other places. I can't keep track. Good, good. Have it everywhere. Have it everywhere. But um, yeah, if people will come and like sign up for my newsletter, I send that out about monthly, three weeks or something. And uh, it has, um, it'll have links to my blog, but also news. And, you know, as new places for the book come up, um, you know, that will be a part of that newsletter. So welcome people to come to my website and just see what I'm up to next. Great. Tell us what your website address is. It's kathybrasby.net. And that's Kathy, the right way to spell it. I just offended all your <laughs> listeners. It's K-A-T-H-Y-B-R-A-S-B-Y.net. There's one other thing I want to share. Um, you were talking about Leslie and y'all need to read about her story and her chronic pain. I mean, there was a grief she was going through as well, like the life she had planned, even the life she was doing, she couldn't do anymore. She writes this book about, um, what was his name? Smitty, Smitty Smith. Yeah. The the legacy of nobody Smith. There we go. Yeah. And um, the connection there is he is the nephew of Tony Evans. I've been sharing Tony Evans in his family's book recently because it's about grief and loss and how to walk through it with a kind of faith slash hope you're talking about. And you don't have to have so much that it's like things don't affect you. That is not at all what we're saying, that things affect us. We have emotions. God gave us emotions. We feel and we connect in relationship. He gave us relationship. So when there's loss, there should be pain. That's normal. But the pressing into him, it's a beautiful thing because I have found that as well. Because when I was even angry and, you know, questioning all that, I went after God more than I ever had. And there's a beauty in that, regardless of how you go. 
Oh, absolutely. I heard somebody recently say that it's okay to get angry with God or to uh, question God because you don't do that. That's, that's actually intimacy. Yes. You can't be angry with someone you're not somewhat close to. Yeah. And so that, that implies, you know, that tells us we do have some intimacy and it's like what I had with him. He was just sitting right beside me and just, you know, on that campfire log and just sitting right there and, and just loving in spite of how we're thrashing around. And it's that intimacy that we're angry with, with him, but he, he can just bear with us and until we work it through. Yeah. 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 yeah, I absolutely love how you end the book. I dare to hope. Yeah, that just came out of, I don't so know good. where I was writing it. And I just thought, oh, there's my ending. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So poignant because the dare, that means something too. There is a, there's a, a trust there. I dare to hope, but the way that you're walking it out will be so impactful to so many. I mean, even me still, I'm, I love it. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. I hope God can use, whether it's the book or my story or something, I hope God can use that to encourage other people to just look for his presence. Is there anything that you want to add? Uh, no, I've been adding more than I thought I was going to. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of anything right now. Okay. Well, yeah. tell us one more time your website and the book, and um, and then we'll sign off. Super. Okay. The book is Cutting Through Despair dare to hope. And my website is kathybrasby.net. And that's K-A-T-H-Y-B-R-A-S-B-Y.net. Great. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. So good to have you here. Oh, I appreciate it. This was uh, just a real blessing to me. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Right. Take care. A huge thank you to Kathy for taking her time to come on and share her story and her book. I asked her to choose the word and the song of the week, and I think these are both incredibly fitting. So the word of the week is Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And the song of the week is entitled, It Is Well by Christine DeMarco. And this is from Kathy. Here's a song that really hit me the day after Matt passed. It was as though this was his song to me, but certainly a reminder to me then of moving forward. That brought a lot of tears back then. The song came up randomly on my playlist, the first song that morning, and I felt like God had that message for me. And your journey works, or the work of your journey for this week are just a couple of ways to help you move forward. Go to Kathy's website, kathybrasby.net, and check out her book, Cutting Through Despair. From those stories, you'll be able to relate to someone and be given hope through their journey. Also, check out grieftograatday.com to join the Facebook group or the mailing list to listen to podcast episodes, purchase the workshop, or check out the book on Monica's journey, Dying to be Healed. As always, if you don't have a church home, visit mychurchopendoorchurch.com. Links to everything you need are always going to be in the show notes. In the meantime, remember who holds your future. And remember that hope is not a wish. It is confidence. So keep coming back to the house 
keep sitting on the couch and keep taking steps, however small, slow, or ugly, towards your healing. Thank you for being here today, for showing up. If this podcast has given you hope, encouragement, or helped you in any way, share it with a friend, either in a text or on your social platforms. Also, please subscribe, rate, and leave a written review on iTunes. It's a huge blessing for me to know that you're out there. Lastly, and this is important, you are not alone. Connect with me on the Grief to Great Day website, the link is below, and sign up for our free newsletters. I want to be able to pray for you by name. Remember, grief isn't something you're going to get over, but a great day is something you can get to.